Welcome back to Getting to the Bottom of It. I'm your host, Sejal Govindarao. In this week's episode, we're looking at campus initiatives to mobilize students to vote in the upcoming midterm election, which is now just under a month away. Starting with the broader context of the national student voting landscape, student voter turnout has increased pretty significantly since the 2014 midterms. In 2014, voting rates for students were quite low, less than 20%, and it was a wake-up call for many campuses to bolster their civic engagement initiatives. And so fast forward to 2020, two out of three students voted. Now, looking at GW, students voted at a rate of 69% in the 2020 election. That was three points above the national average for all institutions and 46.8% in the last midterm election, which was nearly eight points above the national average for all institutions. This past week, October 3rd through 7th, was National Voter Education Week, where campuses like ours have been ramping up efforts to help student voters connect the dots between registering to vote and casting a ballot. The Nashman Center hosted a series of events to educate students on campus about voting, including a big send letter writing event, a panel, and tabling on the Vern and in Kogan. Eddie spoke with Amy Cohen, who is the director of the Nashman Center for Civic Engagement, which oversees GW votes at the university, and they talked about GW student voting patterns that she's noticed through her work. What's interesting about our school is that most of our students vote absentee for elections in their home state, so GW Votes uses a tool called TurboVotes, which tells students what they need to do in order to vote in their specific jurisdiction. I know every state is is different, but kind of broadly, what's the process for students to being able to vote while in college? Yeah, so um, for for most students, if they live, if they're not able to go home on election day um, and they want to vote absentee, they need to look at what their state requires and their jurisdiction requires. So for many, many people, it is requesting an absentee ballot. Sometimes it can be done online. Sometimes it has to be done uh, on paper and you have to literally send a a piece of mail with a stamp on it. Um, And then that ballot comes back to them at this address. They fill it out. And again, it goes back uh, by mail. I'm not aware of any jurisdictions where this kind of voting can be done electronically. So it all has to be done uh, by, I guess what we call snail mail. Um, You've got to put it in an envelope and put a stamp on it. Um, We have uh, purchased the rights to use a tool here at GW um, that we love a lot called TurboVote. Um, And any student or anyone on campus can use it. It's gwu.turbovote.org. It's gwu.turbovote.org. Um, and you just go there, type in your name and address, um, and it will tell you um, what you need to do for your per- specific jurisdiction and uh, how to vote. And we we love this tool because once you're in the, t- if, if you agree to it, they will send you reminders about what you have to do. Um, I love it. it you know, it, it bothers the heck out of me. It says, did you send in your absentee ballot? Did you... Um, did you request what you needed? And they'll tell you exactly how to do it and what when it needs to be done. I spoke with Adam Gizmondi, Director of Impact at Institute for Democracy and Higher Education at Tufts University, who co-authors reports on data for the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement. That's the same study that analyzed GW-specific data that gave us that 69% and 46.8% I mentioned earlier. And it helps schools like ours who opt in to better understand a breakdown of their student voter turnout. Gizmondi talked about how there's a lot of energy from young people for issue-based activism, which will likely draw them to the polls this election in high numbers. And he also talked about why it's important for campuses to be taking a data-driven approach to mobilize their students and to make voting accessible. In terms of this being a, uh, 
why it's important to use data-driven evidence. I think um, when you get into this work on campus, uh, there are so many different gatekeepers and barriers to entry. And what we like to think NSOLVE helps, especially student leaders with, is it's, it's usually pretty easy to get a copy of your report on campus if your school participates. Um, and it gives you some grounding to go approach a faculty member or an administrator and say, you know, here is some evidence as to what's working and what's not, and um, to talk to start the conversation. And we hand you some um, some talking points and some uh, some data about your institution that that some people in the administration may not always pay attention to. Um, so, like I said, it's really important for that. Once you get involved, it's also really a great tool for um, targeting your efforts. Now, to analyze GW's data from the National Study of Learning, Voting, and Engagement, I talked to Bianca Rosales from Students Learn, Students Vote Coalition. It's the largest nonpartisan network dedicated to increasing youth voter education and turnout about where we're missing the mark and could have some untapped potential. GW specifically, um, I've got good news and bad news. Um, the good news is both your 2020 and 2018 voting rates were above the national average student voting rates. So that's something to be really proud of um, because not um, that's not the case for every campus. Um, the bad news, though, is when you adjust for context and um, an institution, GW actually fell below average in 2020. So private universities that offer PhD programs voted at a 72% rate on average in the last election, meaning GW is lagging behind the, that competition a bit. So just in terms of catching up with your peers like Georgetown who voted at 79% rate in 2020, there's definitely some potential there for growth. Um, but regardless of context, we believe every school should strive for 100% voting rate, which means that there's tons of untapped potential all around you, um, not just DW. Um, but that's something that we definitely is like 100%. That's what we're, we're shooting for, you know. Another interesting finding I'll point to is the GW Votes Task Force overseen by Director Cohen is engaged in outreach with the Office for Diversity, Equity, and Community Engagement, the Multicultural Student Services Center, and under that umbrella, the Director of LGBT and Religious Life. Diversity is a huge pillar of the action plan they've put forth in 2022. However, GW's report from the National Study does not include certain demographic data analyzing potential disparities in race, ethnicity, gender among student voters on campus. It's unclear from the report whether or not GW submits that data to the National Student Clearinghouse. There has to be intentional effort behind um, reaching all students and especially the underrepresented, underrepresented communities. But without data like that, that, how can you be intentional and strategic about it if you just don't know? Um, but that's what I, I think like, we encourage all campuses like, to sign up for NSOV, like get the data that you need to like, inform what your action plan is and, um, and what you end up doing to get out the vote. I talked to Dr. Jennifer Domigal goldman from the All-In Campus Democracy Challenge, who detailed context for why campuses might not disclose this information. It could possibly be an oversight or resource issue, but nonetheless, it's not uncommon among the institutions that participate. Broadly, are there reasons why schools that you've seen tend to decide not to share that racial data to be analyzed? So. I want to be clear, it's not that they're choosing to not share it for the voting study, it's 
it just depends on how they're sharing the data with the National Student Clearinghouse, right? And that's just one thing that they're sharing data with amongst a number of them. And right now, only about 56% of institutions participating in the NSALT study are sharing data based on race. So it's, it's not, I want to make sure it's not particularly exceptional about GW. While I would encourage your listeners to advocate that GWs share that data in the future, um, you know, it's not, it's not something that even barely a majority of institutions are sharing it currently. Lastly, I spoke to GW Votes Ambassador Vidya Muthapalay and GW Votes Project Assistant Isabella Reed. They talked about how GW is a very politically active school, but it's not meeting the same threshold as other universities in D.C. Take Georgetown, for example, with a student voting rate of nearly 80 percent. How would you compare GW's student voter landscape to those of other universities across the country? I would definitely say that, like, that element of GW students specifically being super engaged, um, it, it is really motivating. But I would also say that um, because of who we are as a school, there are a lot of schools around the country, there are a lot of groups around the country that look to GW as an example of what student turnout should look like, what um, youth voter engagement should look like. And in that regard, I would say GW has a lot of work to be done as well. Um, we do have a really high turnout rate. Um, overall as a school, but you know, there are some departments that the turnout rate is like under 20%. Um, there are also other schools in the DC area who will not be named, um, who have higher voter turnout rates than GW does. There are also schools across the nation that have higher turnout rates than GW does that are in the 80s versus ours is like almost 70%. So I think when we're looking at schools that, you know, really have a capacity to make an impact, to set an example, GW is one of those schools. And it's super important that even though we're already doing really well, for us to continue to push that needle forward and for us to continue setting an example for other schools so that they can move forward as well. Her and Isabella both emphasize that while young people tend to be an overlooked demographic, voting is necessary to uphold our individual right to have a voice in our country politically, in our democracy. And so if any of our listeners have questions on how to vote, you can visit the GW Votes website. All right, that's all we have for you this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time and for the first time be bringing on some of our new podcast reporters. We're super excited to share some of the stories they've been working on, so stay tuned. (laughs) 